Um, today we're going to be talking about exceedingly abundantly. Now that's not the only focus of the text, but I want to zero in on that at the end because first of all, God is able, Paul, Paul prays at the end, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or think, right? And he has in the history of our church, in a hundred year history, and we're going to talk about that later, he's done amazing things in our short 25 year history of our school and all of our different ministries. He's done exceedingly abundantly. And, and then in, in our individual lives, he's done that, right? And Paul recognizes that in, in his prayer at the end by saying this. And then he's going to. I believe that God's going to accomplish his will, and it's going to blow our minds um, as I think about some of the things that he's done over the past couple of years, and we interweave that into this. Now, listen, y'all gave it a pretty good clap, when those young people went through the baptism waters. But let me uh, just pause and say, we're about to stand. And when we do, I want to celebrate God. Three young people that didn't know Christ as of pre-Easter. They said yes to Jesus. One of them said yes to Jesus and the rest of them did. And today they said, I was once lost, but now I'm found. Let's rise to our feet and praise God that young people gave their lives to Christ. Come on. Praise God. We praise you, God. We thank you. That was really good. That was really good. Let's, let's read God's word together here in Ephesians 3, 6 through 21. And I'll begin with verse 6. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace, of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Verse eight, to me whom am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and, verse nine, to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ. Verse 10, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. And Paul begins to pray. For this reason, all those reasons we just stated, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 15, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. And the last verse, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Dear God, we just thank you for today. We thank you for already being able to echo holy with the angels in heaven. Lord, it is a privilege I would do it all over again and sing this morning because the worship has been fantastic and awesome. Thank you for the privilege of coming before your throne with worship through music and through scripture reading and through baptism 
and now in your word. I pray that it would speak. It would not return void. It would do all you want to accomplish. Teach through this passage what you want to. And uh, Lord, just convict our hearts. Encourage us today. Remind us today. Heal us today. Teach us. Compel us by your love. We pray for those that are hurting our community, those that have experienced loss of family, even this week in the school and at the church. Lord, we pray for pastor. It's a tough task to be the pastor of a huge church. But God, you're head of our church. And I thank you for a pastor that's seeking your face and for a wife that loves you and is sharpening him and they're sharpening one another and they're on co-mission together and they're in Brazil today. God, be with them, heal them, strengthen them, teach through them. Allow those pastors to be changed by what they hear. Lord, I thank you we can go throughout the earth because of the faithfulness of our people that give and love and encourage and go. We love you, God. We thank you for our moms, our grandmothers. I know that's next week, God, but I thank you for them every day. My grandmother, my grandmothers, my mom, they changed my life forever. So I thank you for them. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, my mom prayed for me to receive Christ with me. She walked through the gospel with me. I can still see it in my bedroom, going through one of those little booklets, the ABCs of Christ. So did so much more, but praise God for, for moms. Thank you for being here today, mom. All right, first we see one body in verse six, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. What was happening was, in, ver- in chapter 2, right before it, Paul is explaining that Paul is preaching to the Gentiles, all those that are non-Jews, right? And, and the problem is the Jewish people and the Gentile people, they're not fans of one another. There's a lot of hostility. There's a lot of division. There's a hatred, quite frankly. They live on opposite side of the land, right? They worship differently. They eat things that are differently. They probably talked about things that were different. Somewhat that can still happen today, right? And so Paul is preaching about the fact that he gets to go to the Gentiles. And he says, they should be fellow heirs. This was foreign to the people. That they are to be inheritors of Christ with the Jews. What? These people hated each other. They would go around towns just to not go through the town and have bumps with the Gentiles. You know, this. I recently went on a trip to... To, at North Myrtle Beach for spring break and you put in the GPS and it gives you three different options. One was about, I don't know, six hours and one's like six hours and 10 minutes and then one's like eight hours and 40 minutes or something crazy, right? And you have to go all the way around the mountain and not up over it and all to get there. I thought about that. That's what they were literally doing and we do that in our lives sometimes with people that we're not on the same page with. We avoid them. We go around them. We don't want to talk to them. We don't even want to see them at times. Come on. I've been there. You've been there, right? There's sometimes a deep hatred going on in our hearts. And Paul said, we're to be one body. These Jew and Gentiles, they lay that down under Christ. I thank God for a church that says we welcome people from every tribe and tongue and nation and people group, right? Wherever you're from, whatever state, whatever nation, whatever your background, hey, under Christ, come on. Come to Grace Baptist Church and worship with us. That we go to the nations because we care about them, because Christ cares about them, and we're one body, right? 
And he says, hey, these people, their fellow heirs, they, they're gonna get the inheritance of Christ, be a part of this same body, and partakers of his promise. I love what it says in Ephesians 2, verse 14 and 16, says this, for he himself, and it's talking about this same situation, Jesus is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation that he might reconcile them both to God in one body. That's where we get the one body, same body, through the cross. Therefore, therefore, putting to death the enmity, the hostility, the anger, the hatred, right? And so the, in the temple, there was literally a wall that separated the worship of, the, of those that were Gentiles and those that were Jews. And he's saying, I came not just to tear down that wall, but the walls in the hearts of the people that they may understand they're one body. They're all under Christ. And so I would encourage us to look at our hearts and think about any area that may be blocking God from working in your life because you're not allowing um, those that may be a little different than you, right? And it's not just race, it could be culture, it could be old and young, it could be pastors versus the lay people, it could be rich versus poor. Satan looks for any way he can divide. He wants to divide and conquer because he knows you're weaker apart from the whole, right? We're one body. We can't say we don't need that part. No, we do. We do. We all have different gifts. We're all part of one body. So thank God Paul's teaching us that, that through Christ, through the gospel, this happens. That middle wall has been torn down because of the gospel. Next, we see one grace. And for those of you that go to GCA or your kids do, we're not talking about the annual fund drive that we call One Grace, although that's fantastic and we really appreciate those that give. We're talking about this One Grace Paul was talking about in verse seven and eight. He said, of which I become a minister according to the gift of the grace of God. To me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. See, Paul had this enabling grace that worked through him. He understood he was a minister of the gospel by the grace of God, right? God's given you, church, different gifts to be used for his glory, by his grace. To see his power working in you and through you can only be explained by God's enabling grace. And there's also the saving grace, right? Not just enabling grace, but Paul said to me who am less than, so he's comparing himself a little bit, than the least of all the saints. Now I went through my son's yearbook the other day, our GCA yearbook. They just went out and they signed each other, each other's yearbook. And I went, and of course, parents and grandparents, they still do the superlatives, right? Some things change, but they're still doing the tradition like no other in the superlatives. And there's a few that I didn't understand fully, but they're still doing Mr. and Mrs. GCA and most athletic and funniest and all these different things, most likely to succeed. And so it's sort of fun to see those things. Paul here is given a superlative we really don't want to get. He's saying, I'm the least of all the saints. But the reality is, is here's what I think Paul was saying. Hey, I remember the Paul that I was on the Damascus road. I remember the Paul that used to persecute these Christians I'm talking to. I remember the person I used to be. And God is righteous and holy, and I don't deserve this, but the grace of God, right? And the older I get, I don't worship him less. Some people stop at, yeah, I got saved way back when. To me, I want to worship God on a deeper level now because I understand more than ever what a sinner I am and a sinner that I was and who he turned me around to be, right? 
and who he turned you around to be through your repentance and faith. It's but the grace of God, one grace. And he says you're to preach, and that means to announce the good news. Church, wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, let's announce it. You know, I remember going to Brazil back in um, 2019. It was this time in 2019 I went as part of ministry to Brazil. Awesome time. I got to worship at a Baptist church. It was electric. The people were worshiping with all their hearts. I had my Google translator, and I was following along the best I could with the Portuguese. But it was amazing. And, and the worship and the word and, uh, man, the beautiful people, the beautiful land. And I've got many dear Brazilian friends. Um, some of them live here in Knoxville. And uh, we may have some Brazilian students this year, right? And, um, and so <clears throat> I went there. And on the way back on the flight, it's a nine-hour flight, and they set me by the uh, big door that you get out if there's an emergency. God don't allow there to be an emergency, but I'm going to sit here because it's got plenty of leg room. I think you can pay like 20 bucks more. And I'm like, I need the leg room. I can't be cramped for nine hours overnight. And so when I sit down, there's this young lady there, and she was a professional tennis player, top 20 in the world. And she starts telling me her story, and I'm just, of course, being a sports guy, I'm loving this. You know, tell me about that. What is it like to be a professional player? And then we start talking about, well, why, what are you doing in Brazil? What, why are you? And so I started talking about my ministry and our church and all this stuff. And she shares with me about hers. And on that trip, I got to pray with that young lady to trust Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. Right? Yeah, come on. Because we're to announce the good news, that word preach, wherever we go, whatever we're doing. You're an ambassador for Christ. And he was teaching the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's something you couldn't measure like the ocean, right? Then he goes on about one church. He says, to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. The fellowship is the idea of the people of God that have uh, under Christ a lot of the same values, convictions, belief, and it's played out. Their faith is played out in how they worship and work and play, right? There's this commonality that comes from this fellowship that we see in Acts 2, this koinonia, this fellowship of the mystery. And what, what is he talking about, the fellowship of the mystery? The fact that we get to put on display, that we can lay down our differences For the mystery, that's talking about the secret plan that God would have the Jews and the Gentiles, anybody that's a non-Jew, come together under Christ. That we get to put on display for everybody, this is how you love one another, despite differences, right, under Christ, for those biblical reasons. And this was his idea from the beginning of the ages. The fact that this church is God's idea from the beginning of the ages, It's not something that's sort of dreamed up later. It says from the beginning of the ages. And it's been hidden in God until Paul's revealing it. Really, they hadn't heard this before. To the intent now that the manifold wisdom, this is the idea that wisdom of God, seeing things from God's perspective, is like a beautiful picture that has lots of colors, like like a variety of crystals that you would see that have different colors. It's got all kinds of intricacies and beauty. The beauty of God, if you will, might be made known by the church. It's our responsibility 
And I want you to hear this, to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. We're to not only be a display to a world that desperately needs Christ, but for the angelic beings that we can't see. The evil beings, the glorifying God as a church. One church. Now it's interesting, a lot of times when you're in ministries that are like at the school here, um, we say, well, my, my kid doesn't go to school there, my grandchild, so I don't know that I can really support that ministry. Well, no. We, we, I mean, listen, when the Asbury revivals were going on, pastor was up here talking about it. Praise God that we're one church across the world under Jesus Christ and we can celebrate with fellow believers. I don't have to go to the legacy ministry to appreciate what our legacy members are doing, right? Our senior adults. I don't have to go to the women in the word to know that God is changing lives through women that know the word and they're teaching others and they're equipping Disciples, I've seen it through the assimilation process. Ladies come, don't even know anything about Christ. And then we have women that come alongside them. We can celebrate that because we're one church. We can celebrate different churches and we can celebrate different ministries within the church. And Grace Christian Academy is not a separate church or ministry. It's under one church, Grace Baptist Church, and it just happens to be the largest ministry. So pray for us, celebrate with us, Right? If your kids go to Carnes, praise God. That's what you've chosen to do as parents. And we saw three from Carnes go through the waters of baptism. I'm just as excited as my own children going through the waters of baptism. Okay? We're one church. Let's don't let anything divide us. I want you to see next, we have one access. Paul says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. The idea that Jesus gives us the introduction to God. When I went to a UT basketball game this year, one of our church members gave my, me and my children the, the blessing of having some front row tickets and also a pass to their hospitality room that they get to go to. And in that hospitality room is like the big wigs at UT, like Josh Heupel, the football coach, and the AD, Danny White, and all the people, right? And I didn't get to see them, but when we went up behind the curtain, and I think God gave me this for a reason, we went behind the curtain, we went to the lady at the stand and we said, we are here as guests of so-and-so. And she said, oh yeah, they said you were coming, you're good. Now, if I'd have went up and said, I'm Matt Mercer, former manager and walk-on, they would say, hey, great job, but you can't come in here, right? So anyway, um, no, but it was a blessing. We had fun. It was a memory for me and my children. But the picture is this. We have access. We get access because Jesus says, yes, they're good, not because of their righteousness, but because of my righteousness, right? You're not going to get to enter based on your merit because the merit of Christ that we've trusted in him, we get access. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's our access. And that's what Paul is saying here. And when you have access, you can have boldness. That means to have free speech. You can share God with God what's on your heart. You can pray to him and know that he hears. He already knows it. He just wants you to humble yourself and, and confess it and ask him for it and, and, and ask him to help you. And it gives us confidence through faith in him. Faith is believing what God says is true. You can't have confidence. You can't have access. You can't have boldness unless you have faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. And faith is just believing what God said is true and what he said was true. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever, anybody in here, anybody across the world, whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. If you believe that, if you trust in that and that alone, Christ to save you, you will be saved and you can have boldness. And just like that you get to go behind the curtain or I got to go behind the curtain and my children in at the UT game, we know that the, the veil has been torn, the curtain has been torn in the temple and we have direct access to God. We can pray to him and know that he hears us. We can pray to him and know he is for us with confidence. And Paul said this, and it stuck out to me, and it's not necessarily a point. It's just in, in verse 13, he goes on to say, and I ask you, do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. And so Paul was saying, man, I go through things. I've got pressures. I've got annoyances in my life. I've got things that slow me down. Man, if I could tell you my week this week, and I'm sure if you could tell me yours, you would laugh some and maybe want to cry with me. It's been a tough week. But we go through things, don't we, folks? We go through tribulation. We go through those annoying things like your dryer going out and your wife having to hustle clothes from one house to the other to get it done, right? The awesome things that, that our wives do and our moms do that I hope we don't take for granted. Or your, your gas goes out in your car. Pastor Mike says he's going to get me a gas card, so I'm in good shape. But your gas goes out in your car, and everybody from Grace goes by waving, and you've got 50 miles left on the digital meter, right? We go through tribulations, and Paul said, I'm under all kinds of pressure, but don't feel sorry for me because I'm doing it for your good. And I praise God that he did because he didn't just do it for their good. He did it for ours too, right? We wouldn't know the gospel on the same level without him going through these tribulations. So what I would encourage you with today is God's with you. He wants to walk you through the difficult weeks. And there's a lot more tragic things that have happened like losing family members and losing jobs and all those things. But God's with you and he's using you. Don't lose hope because of your tribulations. Keep going, because somebody needs to hear the gospel. Somebody needs to be changed. Somebody needs to be transformed. Somebody needs to be encouraged. Somebody needs to be helped, and you may be that person. Don't sell yourself short. Don't lose heart. Do not lose heart. Thank God. And then Paul goes into a prayer here. And what I want you to see in his prayer is that the Trinity is implied. One God. One God. And we see in it that that's God the Father, our protector, sustainer, planner, provider. We see Jesus Christ, his only son that came in human flesh, that went to the cross on our behalf and did so much more. And we see the Holy Spirit that's our God, convicts us of sin, draws us to himself, empowers us, and guides us to live out this Christian life. And so Paul is worshiping through prayer, and he says, for this reason, all the things he just talked about that we, that we talked about just now, all those different reasons, I bow my knees. There's something about humbling yourself on your knees before the Lord. Let me share with you what Guzik, a gentleman named Guzik said in his commentary. He said about bowing your knee. Solomon prayed on his knees. Ezra prayed on his knees. The psalmist called us to kneel, kneel before the Lord our maker. You may remember that verse. Daniel prayed on his knees. People came to Jesus kneeling. Stephen prayed on his knees. Peter prayed on his knees. Paul prayed on his knees. And other early Christians prayed on their knees. Most importantly, Jesus prayed on his knees. 
Luke 22, 41. The Bible has enough prayer not on the knees to show us that it isn't required, but it also has enough prayer on the knees to show us that it is good. Charles Stanley, I happen to have his Life Principles Bible from way back when. I wanted to have it with me today because Charles passed away at age 90 this week, and he wanted to take the gospel to as many people as he could. And his ministry, InTouch.org, he said this. He was instrumental in my college days, uh, just teaching me God's word from a distance. And I want you to know, I, I watched online and all, but there's nothing like being in church, folks. Okay? We can supplement through that, but there's nothing like being a part of the local body and, and high-fiving one another and encouraging one another and admonishing one another in person. But Charles said this about bowing your knees. He said, you stand tallest and strongest on your knees. You stand tallest and strongest when you drop 6 to 12 inches to the ground. Paul said, I bow my knees to the Father. Thank God we have a tender Father that cares about us, cares about every detail of your life, and he wants to hear from you. And Paul said, I'm praying to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 15 goes on to talk about one family from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And so not just the people that are here, but the people of heaven that know Christ as their Savior. That's an encouragement as we have some that go on to be the Lord with the Lord because they were in Christ. So one family. And this verse 16 says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. So I'm not going to keep sharing about the prayer, the implication of the Trinity, one God in three persons, blessed Trinity, right? But you get the point. And then there's one love, one love, that Christ may dwell in your hearts. That means to take residence in. The God of the universe wants to take residence in your heart. Does he have residence in your heart, church? If not, you can get that right today. That Christ, Paul is praying, may dwell in your hearts, may take residence in your hearts through faith. Again, there's that faith that's needed. By grace you are saved through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. The idea here is of a tree that has deep roots that go deep into the ground. And when the storms of life come, it's secure, it holds up, and it even gets stronger through those storms for the next storm that comes that we'd be rooted, we'd be secure in his love. When we don't know Christ, we're trying after all the wrong things. We're trying to find our identity in something else. We're trying to find our acceptance from people and things. We're trying to perform and work so hard. But he says, listen, be secure in my love. Be rooted in it. And if you're in Christ, don't sell yourself short. Be all that you're supposed to be in Christ. Be rooted in his love. Be secure in him. You don't need those other things. It says be grounded in his love. That's the idea of a building being built on concrete. There's a firm foundation. His name is Jesus Christ. That we may be able to comprehend with all the saints, try to understand with all those that know Christ, what is the width, here we go math teachers, and the length and the depth and the height. The width, he covers all of humanity, right? He gives whosoever would come and there's thousands and a multitude of people it's wide, and he covers a multitude of sin. And the length, his love endures forever. It has no beginning, has no end. 
and the depth, the fact that he would send his own son to the cross to be humiliated, mocked, beaten on our behalf to satisfy the anger of God over our sins. And he takes on all that through the cross and his death, burial and resurrection. There was depth to it and height that he's seated at the right hand of the father because he loves us. He's interceding on our behalf as we pray. And, and he wants to bring us to the highest heights with him in heaven. In verse 19, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Think about that. He wants us to know something we can't even fully know. It's a paradox. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now listen, you have everything you need in Christ. He sealed you with the Holy Spirit on the day of your salvation. You have everything you need. The problem is we get in the way. We quench the Spirit. We slow him down. We're the obstacle most of the time. We give in. A lot of times we want to give up. We don't yield to the Spirit. We give in to our own flesh. And he said, I want you to know the fullness of God. I want you to be ever fruitful. I want you to experience it like never before. And as we mature, we begin to yield and we begin to surrender more and more. All that I have, all that I am is yours, God. Here it is. Here's my thoughts. Here's my body. Here's my mind, my soul, my heart. It's all yours. Be filled with the fullness of God, he prayed. One love, Jesus Christ filling us up. Next, he talked about one power, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his inner spirit and the inner man. Here's the picture of what happens. It's like my friend who I went to high school with, everybody's got different gifts. He's working a, a backhoe the other day, a little, little bulldozer, right? He's trying to move in dirt, and I see him with this huge pit, and he's moved out gas station, um, canisters, big, huge gas station canisters. He's down in there and I'm like, I think that's my buddy, my childhood friend. And he's in there with the rot machines, right? There's no way. And I feel like when we're trying to do things in our own strength, it's like us showing up to that job with one of those little plastic shovels at the beach, right? And it moves through sand, great. But when we hit hard ground, it's, we're working so hard to please God and to perform and do all the things. And we weren't meant to. We were meant to abide in Christ, to pursue him. And as we pursue him, he makes us more like him. And it just begins to flow out of our lives. As we digest his word, it transforms us. And the working of the Holy Spirit in us allows us to do things that we can't explain. It's only from his riches of his glory. It's only through his strength in the inner man. And he goes on and he starts praising. He says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly. Yeah, we're here now to the title of the message. He starts praising him. He can't even think of the, the adjectives to say. He's saying the God who's able to do super abundantly, abundantly more than we can ask or think. If you can think it, God can do more. If you can ask it, God can do more, young people. Whatever your dreams are for your life, they're minuscule in comparison to what God's is. He can do exceedingly abundantly. Let me share with you some of the highlights. Pastor wanted me to share some of the highlights of what's happened in the ministry over the past year, past several years. Start with GCA because he asked me to share these. Think about this. This year we celebrated 25 years as a school. A little bitty school dream back in 1995 or 6. 25 years we celebrated. Exceedingly abundantly. More than we could ask or think. We started with 55 students. There was a discipleship day in February. You're about to see 
that a bunch of young people gave their lives to Christ, over uh, about 30 young people, and many more have been baptized this year. I would say almost 55 have made spiritual decisions this year that I know of. I'm not quite certain, but it's gotta be close. You think about, we started with 55 students. Who would have thought on the front end? Exceedingly, abundantly. Other than a few teachers at those moments, every person that led had been trained in this church or this school, most of them both. The preachers were from GCA and Grace Baptist Church. One of them wasn't, but one of them was, but both of them were from GCA. All of our media people, all the small group breakout leaders. Think about disciples developing disciples exceedingly abundantly. When we poured in those students and we started the worship arts class in 2010, who would have thought? Who would have thought we were just doing it so chapel would be a little bit better, right? Let's make chapels better, so let's train students and have a class. And what's happened is there's double-digit leaders throughout the world that are leading in churches in full-time ministry from that class. There's over five pastors, full-time pastors. Now, he wasn't in the class, but Pastor Brian Thomas went to this church and went to this school, and he's leading in a big way here at Grace. God's doing exceedingly abundantly what we could imagine, ask, or think. We started with five staff members. We've got five that have been here 20 years or more, exceedingly abundantly. In our church, and I could go on and on about academics, arts, athletics. In our church, there's a thousand new members over the last four years since Pastor Bobby's been here. A thousand people that are hearing God's word each week. Yes, let's give God a hand. And we're seeing that. We're seeing about eight to 900 more in attendance the giving has been astronomical because when a, a lot of people do what they're called to do and be obedient, God does exceedingly abundantly. We're about to burn a note in a few weeks. Hundreds of salvations. I've been here three years and we've had hundreds before when we were here. God's through hundreds. In the hundred year history of the church, can you imagine that little church over here on a farm? Could they have imagined? Could they have asked or thought about this? You realize this is a unicorn, right? You realize we're part of something that could only be explained by God, right? Exceedingly abundantly. And I'm just using the school and the church as an example for all of you as individuals. What does God wanna do in and through you? And what does he wanna continue to do in and through us? I wanna show you a video. We had the first ever baptisms during the school day recently. And I wanna share that with you. Let's watch the video. Hi guys, my name is Olivia and I got saved in February on the 17th during discipleship days and I wanted to accept Christ because I've been struggling the past few years with just depression and anxiety and I just wanted to give that to the Lord because I was tired of struggling by myself. And I want to get baptized because I want to show the world my faith and I feel that's very important. This is a good moment. I'm here with Olivia Elliott, who I've had the privilege to get to know this year as her Bible teacher. And she comes desiring baptism today. So Olivia, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. In front of your friends, your classmates, your teachers, 
and your family. Olivia, do you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ and confess him as your Lord and your Savior? Yes. Do you commit to follow him for the rest of your life as his disciple? Yes. Then on your profession of faith, it is my privilege and honor to baptize you as my Christian sister in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in his death, raised to walk in his resurrection. And everyone, this is Emery Brannock. And she too comes desiring baptism today as her first step of obedience. And so, Emery, I'm going to ask you the same questions in front of your classmates, your friends, your teachers, and your family. Do you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ and confess him as your Lord and Savior? Yes. And do you commit to follow him as his disciple for the rest of your life? Then it is my honor to baptize you as my Christian sister in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in his resurrection. Amen. Praise God. Paul goes on and he's praying and he's worshiping and he says it's for one glory. Read the last verse with me. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Psalm 19 says the heavens declare, declare the glory of God. But what's awesome is not the heavens declaring it, it's the church that says, I've been transformed by God, and together we're going to glorify him. We're going to point to him. Anything that's happened, but God. Anything good in my life, it's but God. Anything that's happening with my children or grandchildren, it's but God. Anything that he's given me is a gift, a talent, a performance, but God. One glory. You know, it's pretty popular right now, the NIL, name, image, and likeness. I'm for it. People that God's gifted, that he allows them to benefit from their talents, great. We've been seeing that for all time, right? But the deal is, is every person, I don't care who you are, I do this every day. I set down my badge, and I get down on my knee in my office, or in here, and I say, God, this is yours. My family's yours, my future's yours, this leadership's yours. Every crown will be laid at the feet of Jesus. Name, image, and likeness goes to one alone, ultimately, and that's Jesus Christ. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess. Church, I want to pray for us this morning, and I want you to join me in praying and get on our knees before the Lord, thanking him for his goodness, that he's done exceedingly abundantly, and he wants to do exceedingly abundantly. Some of you need to come down here and say, I need Jesus Christ as my Savior through faith. I want to pray that over you, and I want you to come. We've got counselors. Some of you say, hey, I've, you know, I've started questioning God's ability because of what I'm going through. The, those tribulations, those difficult pressures and things of life, come and lay it down before the cross. This week, Heather, 
once again led us in the all-staff worship for GBC. And she sang Living Hope, and the words, for some reason, stood out to me. It says, how great the chasm that lay between us can't be crossed apart from Christ. This gap between us and God because of sin. How high the mountain I could not climb. It's the gospel, folks. In desperation, I turned to heaven. I turned to Jesus and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished. The end is written. written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. If he's your living hope, let's pray today. Let's seek the Lord on behalf of those that don't know him. Let's grow in Christ. Let's be a church that's not finished because God's not done with us yet. He's not done with you as an individual. Let's stand up and we're going to pray And I'm going to pray over us, and then I'm going to give you a little pause and allow you to pray and seek the Lord, and we're going to sing together and close. Give you just a moment to come and bow if you desire to. As Paul said, for this reason, I bow. Don't be bashful, folks. If God's drawing you, then respond. Thank you so much for watching us today. God is doing absolutely amazing things in and through our Grace Baptist Church family. If you'd like to share anything the Lord is doing in your life, feel free to reach out to us through our website or our app. And if you're ever in the Knoxville area, come by and worship with us and our family of faith here at Grace Baptist Church.